we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, dojo family. I am here with one of the incredible dojo council members who I have journeyed with I don't even know that deeply covers it. We have crossed universes together. It feels like in terms of the emotional body, the spiritual body, the mental body, the discovery, the exploration of what it means to be a woman healing, a woman evolving, a woman going after her Dharma from like the most fierce and trusting place that I've ever seen. That's what I witness in this woman, Jillian. I'm here with Jillian Acosta. She's a functional dietitian and so much more, which I'm going to let her share with you her come from and, and what's really truly alive for her in terms of her purpose and service at this time. But before I do that, I just, again, I really want to honor the journey I've seen you walk you know, through, through our work together, through the dojo masters container and the deep ceremony work that we've done within in-person work and over the zoom work that we've done. It doesn't really matter. What I've seen from you is the constant of devotion. What I've seen from you is the constant of what it means to face off with the most uncomfortable bits to experience major catalysts that are touching very deep trauma points and to not turn away, to really lean in, to really redefine what it means to show up for yourself at this stage of the journey in the places that all the old versions of you just didn't have the tools to. And witnessing you repattern the way that you show up for yourself in real time has been one of the most magnificent things that I've witnessed in all the years of all the work that I've done, you show up, you lean in with like unwavering, relentless, I am here for this, right? I'm here for this. And so I really honor you. I trust the integrity 
with which you walk and the integrity with which I've watched you become and embody your own greatest healer. And that type of integrity is the type that I trust in terms of holding others, right? I really believe that the women who are drawn to me trust me to hold them because of the way they've seen me hold myself. They've seen me show up for myself. They've seen my transparency and devotion in the work that I've done. And I'm really witnessing that same level of clarity, of devotion, of there is no other way but through it. The only way out is through in you. I really honor it. I really honor the mirror, what I recognize in in myself, in you as well. And so Jillian, I'd love to just have you introduce yourself. And you started to share with me really what you're passionate about before we got on the podcast. And I was just like, wait, stop. I feel like we need to hit record before you really go into this because that passion, that devotion I'm naming extends, it touches everything. And I really feel you, as you come more and more online, right. Which doesn't mean there isn't anything to face off with, you know, like yes, as recently as last week, there's portals, you know, and we'll touch on all of it, but the way that you continue to show up, it's that same devotion touches everything, including your why for being here. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself and share more about that. Why? Wow. Z, first of all, thank you for those words, I feel your heart so big and it's just, it's so profoundly healing to be seen by a woman like you that I admire. I feel so seen by you and that's just medicine in and of itself. So thank you for that so much. I love you. I love you too. Yeah. My name is Jillian. I am a functional dietitian and while I love supporting physiology, what I really give a lot of fucks about is activating women and empowering women. And what I've found in my own journey and in my professional journey is that oftentimes there's a wedge of something standing in between a woman and her truth, a woman and her power. And in my case, it looked like food. I was, you know, an eating disorder for many years of my life. For other people, it could be different substances, but the ones that seem to find me, it's, it's food. And so my work is really to help dissolve that wedge, to reconnect a woman back to herself, back to her body, back to the innate wisdom that is in her female body. And so that's really, that's what I'm up to. Ah, so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. I've been, it's wild as you're speaking, you know, so on this podcast, we're about transparency, you know, transparency, vulnerability, This last weekend, we just moved through the newest group, the third cohort of the Dojo Immersed Women. And we went into our in-person immersion and I got to really deepen with, with the women in this group. And it was really, as you're sharing, I'm just noticing the magic of the threads that tie us all together. You know, you as a part of the second cohort and you guys just merged in with the, the first cohort to create the council. And just as you're sharing, I'm like, my, my mind is lighting up around like, Oh, wow. Like how connecting you to the women that are moving through the container right now that want to expand in relationship with food. And it's this microcosm of how life, I really pray we expand more in life in general, in terms of our sisterhood and sister, you know, where we heal the sister wounds, 
And we're really in that practice within the dojo ecosystem of like bridging between the different cohorts of women and finding where our, our prayers match one another and finding where each sister's individual unique zone of genius in medicine is so perfectly designed to be in service of another one of the women. And then her unique zone of genius is so perfectly designed to be in service to another one of the sisters. And it's like this beautiful chain that reverberates like a domino effect when we just get out of the way and allow ourselves to both receive and also give when we get too attached to being the one that's doing the service then we we rob someone else of an opportunity to be in service offer their gifts to us right and then we can also on the other side of the coin get super attached to being the one receiving and being the one in the process and being right and so there's this really beautiful coding that I'm really feeling in you. And it's like lighting up in my system of where your unique zone of genius gets to like trickle and permeate into the sisterhood. And I really pray that for those who are listening, that we open to receiving and giving and really trust that if you find yourself receiving a lot from other women or men and, and you're like, gosh, well, like I'm not in my Dharma or like, where's my offering that we actually open to the possibility that you have a unique code and a unique medicine that is a function of the journey that only you have walked only you. If it's in the form of a story, if it's in the form of a, an experience that you had, it's in the form of your silence, it's in the form of your touch and your stillness, that is your medicine to share, that we don't, you know, rob those around us of the opportunity to receive who it is that we are out of any sense of self-doubt or lack, right? It's like there's a chain that's in the macro, you know, the women who are listening here now the men who are listening here now, like where are the connection points in your life that actually link the chain? And I find that, you know, when we create an ecosystem like we have with the dojo, where we're in these containers with the intention to link the chain and to serve and be served in both directions, it can really illuminate where sister wounding is, right? It can illuminate where the blockages are. The blockages both to receiving, right? Like I need to be the one giving. So there's a block to receiving. There's like an, I need to prove. And then there can also be a block to being the one giving of in the form of like doubt or worthiness. You know, am I worthy of it? Like, do I have a gift to share comparison, competitiveness, jealousy, like all these things, they, they come up and it's been really cool. This is totally not the direction that I even intended to go, but the potency of even just your sharing what you're passionate about. I felt in me this like, oh my gosh, yes, there's so much medicine and Jill's that I could feel that wants to be shared, you know, in this new group of women that's coming and where they have medicine to share with you and me. And it's like this whole chain reaction. But then when I feel into it, I'm like, wow, what we're doing is healing sister wounding in, yes. inside this container. And so I'm actually curious, how has that occurred for you within your cohort? And since we've actually merged the council. So for those who are listening, we had the OG group was the first cohort. They merged into the, they created the council. And then now Jillian's group is cohort two, and they just merged to create the council of 13 women who are really, you know, anchoring in the continued momentum of the dojo energetic of women who have moved through the full six month arc of the deeper dive containers. And so of course, when 
two groups of women that have been really close and have journeyed together really deeply for months and months, then come together. There's this, it can really illuminate where our sister wounding lives and how do we find that merge? So how has that occurred for you? And this is in the context of in the larger picture of life, like we're a micro representation. We're in the, you know, there's a container around it. The dojo is a container intended to bring up and reveal where our edges are at, where our material is, right? And so how has that occurred for you and and how Mm -hmm. have you healed it and worked with it? I mean, it's constant, really. I think that I'll speak for myself. My experience of the sister wound is a byproduct of the mother wound. And so I had a tumultuous relationship with my mother all my life. And now we're extremely close because we've both, you know, been devoted to the work. But there was a lot of distrust in the feminine that was imprinted at a very young age. And so, you know, if my mother wasn't considered safe for me, then no other female was really safe either. And so I think the sister wound in my life has been, as I said, a byproduct of that. And so I've been a lone wolf. I mean, my cohort was like a cluster of lone wolves. Like that was that was the theme. And I was definitely, you know, in the isolated pack of that, right? And so I spent so much time, you know, my adolescence was like surround. I was like the bro girl. Like I had a bunch of like dudes that were my friends and like women weren't safe. And so understanding my very first medicine ceremony ever, I went in with the intention of healing my relationship with food. Cause at the time I was still really struggling with my eating disorder and what the medicine told me so clearly was you're not starving for food. You're starving for the feminine. And that started my healing of my relationship with my mother. And then slowly, but surely it was like an invitation to begin to cultivate relationships with the feminine, but with such armor, so much armor. And so here I am like putting myself in the middle of a freaking women's group uh-huh. <laughs> and, and all the while, like going through intense stuff, like there was such a starvation in my soul that needed women. And it was so uncomfortable. I mean, we started that container. I was like counting down the seconds until May 4th, I think was the kickoff. Like I was dying for that. And I, and I was, you know, how it looks for me, even still with emerging is like being in the middle of so much density, so much ancestral karmic stuff and also like needing support like my shadow looks like I don't want to be the heavy one I don't want to be the one that comes out of the gate like like I need fucking help like somebody you know I want to I want to be the cool one that like is fun to be around and people want to get to know and want to vibe with and so anyone else relate to that in there anyone else listening knock knock (laughs) who else raise your hand if you also have that one right it's like it really notice that in yourself. If you're listening, these episodes are intended to activate healing. They are intended to serve as a catalyst to reverberate through your system and illuminate where you relate to the messages that are coming through the guests on this show. So like where in your life do you like to play cool girl or cool guy? And like, I have it all together and feel like you need to do that because of an illusion or a past reference point where it was the truth that it wasn't safe for you to be in your vulnerability or the space wasn't actually available for you to be in the full spectrum of your actual experience. And from my perspective, when we notice that it's like, it is a subtle self-abandonment to let, to not actually own where you're at. And the truth is, I know at least for myself, the relationships that I actually want to have in my life 
are the relationships that include me, that actually include me. But if I'm not including me, which means pretending that I'm somewhere that I'm not. So I'm just not going to include the part of me that's not a hundred percent badass in my power and totally fun to be around anything that isn't that I don't include so that the people in my life will like me and want to hang out with me. That gets to expire ultimately because you're not included one way or the other in that frame. You're not including yourself. So I would rather include all of myself and own where I'm at with the people that are around me, especially inside of a women's container where the whole intention is to practice this muscle of like, wow, I really, when I include all of myself, I learn how to love the parts that I've deemed unlovable that I would normally exclude. And it's been really beautiful to watch you do that more and more and come in. You broke the seal in that, in your master's container by coming into the chat and saying like, Hey, I am feeling right. Like I'm feeling like I'm afraid to, you know, get in here or like, this is what I need, you know, and you brought your energy in and just leaned into that edge, which from my perspective really broke the seal of vulnerability, intimacy, and transparency. And that's leadership. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And now it's like, okay, second opportunity because a whole another group of women that I don't know. And so like we just merged and I can feel myself like, uh, uh. I'm like, if stuff was a little less sticky right now, like if it was like something I was moving through, that was like, somewhat like a struggle, but kind of benign, I would be like, here's what I'm dealing with. But because it's like, so dense, it's that's, it's an edge, but I will say like, I know I'm going to push through it. Absolutely. Because I know that's what I'm here for, but I will say that, that some beautiful gifts came out of that. And especially like the deepening in, in the access and the capacity that I have now to show up so fully for myself, I think was a muscle that I needed strengthening. Yeah. And I want to translate and guide women to strengthen that muscle for themselves without taking away, you know, the fact that we do need community and sisterhood just as much. Totally. And that's such a good point, you know, like the balance between, especially if you're more of a lone wolf character that has a harder time asking for support, there is this balance between knowing when you're fully showing up for yourself and loving yourself in the places that need that love the most, because ultimately we can only receive the love of the women, the brothers, the partners around us as deeply as we believe it. And so that's the strengthening part is like, wow, you really have to meet yourself in those deep, deep places. But once that meeting happens and it's like, you know, that meeting is there or you're struggling with that meeting in the support of a community or friends around you that will stand for you to meet yourself right there until you do it. Like no matter what, like that's our commitment. Then it's like, wow, reaching out into that space and saying, I'm having a hard time getting there, ladies, you know, and then having a group of women that are going to just stand for you, whether you get there or not, no matter how long it takes and remind you over and over and over again that we believe you can, you know, like that's where the medicine is at. And so it's, of course, like these now the catalysts of coming into the council, it's like we're actually in training and trainment in real time into the you that is rising into your leadership. We all have our own 
personal brand of leadership in the council and you're rising into your brand of it by owning on this podcast, not only to the council, but to the collective community that is vibing with this particular dojo frequency that like, Hey, like your vulnerability is exquisite, Jillian, you know, just owning like, yeah, you know what, even still there's some stuff moving in my life. That's feels really dense. And I'm afraid to like bring it into the container, you know? And so why don't we like work, work that in real time, you know, like what comes up for you in that fear? Cause I, I imagine many individuals listening have that same thing. So like when, if you're going to finish the sentence, like if I were to bring in the full density of my actual human experience right now into this, you know, group of women that are, that are new, but also ancient, you know, what's, what would the fear say? Cause I really hear your higher self is like, it's going to happen. And I'm just like, I'm working on it, but just like, so the people listening can relate, like what would, what is the fear there? Man, the word that comes to my mind is it's a gnarly one. Yeah. And it's come through in medicine. It's, it's like this energy of like, ugh, contamination. Mm. Like somehow, because of what I experienced, I'm like in a way contaminated and people don't want to like get too close to that kind of a story because it's like unspeakable. And so if like, I put myself out there yeah, and people, and I don't feel like held yeah. to whatever degree or expectation, you know, my mind has come up with, thank you for that teaching from the first round Uh it feels like like so excruciatingly uncomfortable yep wow okay so just taking a moment and there's like the higher self that fucking knows these women are of the caliber that will show up totally but it's still valid so yes and right like so life is full of paradox yes and wow thank you for sharing that i mean this is your leadership so thank you And I'm just taking a moment for myself and for anyone listening to just create a little bit of space about feeling for yourself, like where, where in your own life and your own experience, do we like try to clean up our, you know, what we're deeming to be contaminated so that, you know, because of our own belief that we took on at an earlier stage based on any sort of traumatic, painful experience of rejection, abuse, violation. There's, I mean, this, I'm, I'm broadening the stroke. So people listening can relate in your own way. If you've experienced rejection, abuse, violation, you know, sexual trauma, what are the belief systems that you've taken on subtly subconsciously, or even semi-consciously that are still operating in your system, that there's a part of you that's dirty or contaminated or too much, or won't be able to be safe and held right within community or within your closest friend group. So you kind of clamp it down out of, out of, you know, self-judgment or shame or a misbelief that you won't be met because perhaps in your past, I just want to like honor all the past use from family systems earlier on where there were past use, perhaps that actually didn't have a safe space to share and to be held in the fullness of what you were experiencing. And so we want to honor those ones. We want to bring those ones forward and say like, Hey, like your feelings are valid. Like your feelings are valid and like, this is scary and it it really is scary. And it really is a risk 
you know, it feels like a real risk. And so we're just calling like Russian dolls, like the Russian dolls of all the internal use from all the years in your, in your infancy, one, two, three, four, five teenage years, twenties, where it may, perhaps there wasn't actually a safe environment. And so we call all those ones forward into the truth of the leading edge of who you are now, Jills, and who anyone listening is now. And I'm going to include myself in this, who I am now that actually has the capacity to hear what I'm saying. Like if it's landing, if it's landing, what I'm saying, the you that it's landing in actually has the space and the awareness to hold every past aspect of you in the deepest place in the bottom of your heart and say, Hey, love, like I'm here. I know this is scary. That's valid. And I'm going to repattern and forgive myself for ever buying into the misbelief that I'm too much. I'm going to forgive myself for ever buying into the misbelief that I'm contaminated and that what I bring will be rejected or people, it will actually create a repellent rather than an embrace. And I'm so sorry that I have treated myself that I've, cause we, we take it all the way home into the full empowerment. I am so sorry that I've been repelled by any of the use. I'm so sorry that I felt repelled by what you've been through. And as soon as that clicks and that forgiveness, this compassionate self-forgiveness for any time that I've deemed myself as contaminated. And that actually the first step is the internal alchemy. That's where this balance between the lone wolf, this is not lone wolf. This is self-empowerment because the aim is to connect. Yes. The aim is to connect from a knowing right here of the truth is what I've been through deserves love. Every me that's been through what I've been through deserves acceptance, embrace. When I really tune into the innocence of her heart, his heart, all I feel is innocence, a human doing their best. And when you really receive that, all these parts of you in the bottom of your heart really get that the you at the leading edge loves them, accepts them, sees them, knows them. Then if you bring your heart forward, in a circle of those closest to you, of course, use discernment and attunement to who is like, you know, a, a worthy recipient of the depth of your heart. But when you do it, then there's like a, an empowerment from the inside. That's like, well, if they were in my biggest fear, if my biggest fear were to happen, which we can't control life, it's possible that until this really clicks, we might attract catalysts here and there that ruffle our feathers, right? Because we will attract from the outside situations and characters that bring up our wounding so that we can feel it in order to heal it. When we hold that perspective, life is magic, even when it's really hard. So we know that in the worst case scenario, now that I've really forgiven myself for ever believing I'm contaminated, and I really get it in my bones over and over again, that what I went through, the version of myself that went through that deserves love. When I bring my heart and the truth of what's going on in my field into a shared space with the intention of being held and being in connection, like including all of myself, this is who I am. And this is what's here. If the worst case scenario happens that we're not met, it's almost becomes unbelievable to retell that story. It's like, wow, I become my own protect her where it's like, I won't let that energy of 
where I might distort the lack of response, you know, that we don't know what's going on in someone else's life. Like maybe they are, have something else and they miss the message or whatever, but we get to notice where we might misinterpret that. And then it goes through the protect her of our leading edge moment. That's like, you know what? I know that my experience is worthy and valid. And then we kind of just, it's really vulnerable to just pulse on the altar of like, and here I am. And then we get to trust life to meet us in a new way. And then we're including ourselves and letting ourselves be included by the greater collective and the greater circle. And this is the human journey. We're not all together until we're all together. Yeah. That's been the prerequisite for me connecting with women was me first meeting myself in that space and being like, you know, I'd been doing that work before I came into your sphere, but, but that really anchored it in because you gave me the language of like, in the no matter whatness, can I have my own heart? Can I be there, hold myself? And that gave me an incredible amount of strength, but it was also the only reason why I actually had the courage to come forward and be like, Hey, this is where I am. Well said. I need some love. Yeah. Yo ladies. And it it was so powerful when you did that. And, you know, I want to just name the difference between I can hold myself in the no matter whatness of life, not because I have to, because nobody else will. And that's the lone wolf wounding talking, right? Like when you're like, I'll do it myself, not you, Jills, but just any lone wolfer listening. My sense is that it can be like, I'm going to recluse and I'm going to do it myself and I'll take care of myself and I have to do it myself. And I'm going to lay on the grass face down by myself because nobody else that see, do you guys feel the belief is operating because nobody else will do it. Nobody else can meet me. Nobody else will hold me. My stuff will just push everyone else away. So I'll do it myself. That's a different energetic. We want to just love the one who ever started believing that. So the subtlety that Jillian's pointing at here, and I felt it in the softness of your voice. And I feel, I just want to honor the major shift that occurred in you. Cause in the beginning of our container, I felt this energetic that I'm describing. Mm -hmm. Right. And then now I'm feeling such an openness in your strength. And what I felt in you now is like, I'm doing it because I want to, I'm showing up for myself in this way and knowing that I got me because I want to, and you feel the openness of her heart in the front. It's like, and I'm open to anyone who wants to come lay in this grass in me with me. And also not only am I open to it, but I actually want it. Like how vulnerable is that? Like I am going through something really hard I've got me, I'm doing all the work to know that I have me. And you know what? Sometimes I forget and that's okay too. And I really want y'all to know me. I want y'all to know me and I want to feel met in that. So there's a difference. That's like, I got me and I'm so desiring connection. Like we are pack animals. We are designed for connection. And I really hold the vision that the lone wolfer archetypes do this healing work in the way that we're describing that you have and know that you've got yourself from a place of openness. And then we've got the other side of the coin. I want to name that those who are more wired from conditioning to be more codependent and operate more on the needy, like I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. And reaching out spectrum. It also goes in the other direction that it's like, 
oh, the work still is to pull the energy in and say like, all right, I got myself right here. I know that I got me and I'm open. Like the balance point, whether you're wired more for codependency or hyper-independence, the balance point is the same. I got me and I'm open. I'm open and I got me, right? So that's powerful work. And and just to like, one more point about the lone wolf archetype is like when I spent a lot of time existing in the, in the recluse, like nobody's got me. So like, I'll be here by myself, but I didn't have myself in that space energetically. Like the energetics of that was not like, I got me, nobody else can have me. It was like, it was reflecting what was going on on the outside. Nobody had me, but neither did I, like I still didn't have myself. And so it wasn't until I really had the clarity of first of all, my story. And and second of all, like my heart and all the little me's that led up to this point that I could start to cultivate that relationship with myself and then bring in other humans to help support. Totally. Well said. And so what has, if you had to describe it, you know, I know that I'm, I, I know that you've been moving through so many really intense catalysts, you know, on the level of like family history and ancestral healing lineage work, you know, you've really been at like at the leading edge of your expansion and life is really given it to you in terms of where your work, you know, where your growth edges are. And I would love to hear what are the tools that you've used within yourself to actually anchor in? Oh, this is different. I'm here for myself now. This is me showing up for myself. And how does that connect to the work you want to do in the world? Hmm. So the first thing that came to my mind was ritual, like morning ritual, like no, no question. I'm sitting on my ass to, (laughs) to my body because I spent so much of my life disembodied, dissociated. And so naturally when there's, when there's a vacancy, when there's a hole, we fill it with something. And so my drug of choice was food. And so it looked like bulimia and binge eating disorder well into my current life. Right. And so constantly and with devotion, as you said, working to get back in my body so that I can actually feel what's there and what's true is, has been the biggest practice. Of course, you know, medicine has been, has been a big catalyst in that, but obviously it's not something that I use daily. And so it's like the integration of those peak experiences and the daily effort of like, what is alive in my body right now, and then right now, and then right now, so that I can access my truth and my power and the deep, subtle, beautiful whispers and signs of the universe and, and my guides. And I don't have access to, no one has access to any of that when they're disembodied. And so, so much of my work revolves around that is like helping women get back in their bodies so they can actually feel what's there, heal what's there by feeling what's there, and then release what's been, what's been creating that wedge. You know, if we're willing to feel the feelings, we don't know, we no longer need food to numb them. Yeah. Also, you know, it's, it's really about dissolving the wedge that existed between myself and my heart and my truth. Something that I still work diligently on really getting into my body and, and all of that, that consists of, and then helping women do the same. Yeah. Well said. And I remember, you know, at our in-person immersion, you facilitated a really beautiful 
workshop on food. Like we really slowed down enough to like taste the chocolate and the raspberry and you facilitated this really beautiful sensual experience. And I'm curious if you could describe, you know, how those listening might be able to implement new practices in connection with food to sort of rewrite their relationship with anything that might be coming from the outside, including food to fill the gaps, to fill the void spaces, to fill the emptiness and sort of rewrite and repattern relationship with food as sustenance, with food as nutrient, with food as, as life force energy. And I know it's, it's really easy to go unconscious on it. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, just from your mastery and wisdom, how would you speak into that in like a practical, tangible sense that, you know, we could work with rewrite our relationship with food specifically? Yeah. So I believe that any substance, food being one of them, serves the purpose of helping us to put a gap between whatever is uncomfortable in the moment, right? Like many people have different triggers. For me, one of them is overwhelm. So like I'm experiencing feelings of overwhelm. I have had a pattern from a very, very young age of dissociation, of numbing, of pushing down whatever is dis, you know, uncomfortable in my body in that moment. And so life orchestrated itself so that my neighbor across the street's father was the guy that restocked vending machines. So there was an abundance of candy from like the age of like three years old in my life. And so that became my substance. And so, you know, there's been many, many triggers and many emotions that that can kind of satiate in the moment. But the real magic is like, can you pause? Can you actually, like, if you're willing to feel discomfort, if you're willing to, and sometimes it's like, Ugh, like, okay, like, here we go. It's like, you're inviting in whatever that feeling is and you're opening the door or pulling up a chair for it and feeling that feeling, then it has a message for you or it has an insight or it has a release. There's movement, it's shape-shifting. It's not, it doesn't need to be pushed down and squandered anymore. And so, you know, that's the first, pre- that's for me is the prerequisite into morphing or transforming or alchemizing your relationship with food is like, it's really changing your relationship with feeling. And if you're willing to feel, then all of a sudden food loses its, the compulsive energy around it. Because if you've already felt the feeling and you can hold yourself in the feeling of that discomfort, then you don't need the thing to numb. And so that's been my journey. And, and so anyone who resonates with that, it's like, I invite you to pause. It's not about the end result. It's not about whether you eat the thing or not. What has to happen first is a pattern interrupt. So if you're willing to just put the pause and welcome in that discomfort, right? And feel what it feels like to actually be able to hold yourself through that. Because oftentimes, or maybe always, the fear of feeling discomfort is actually worse than feeling the discomfort itself. And so it's like with food, we're not even willing to like, I'm not even going there. Like not even willing to like fuck with that. Like I'm just going to push it down. Right. And we, we have that kind of neural pathway so deeply grooved. And if you're willing to put the pause and say, okay, like this is scary as shit. Cause I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to feel a moment of discomfort. And then the more that you can like deepen into that practice, the less charge food will begin to have. And then as you're showing up for yourself in this way, which is massive, 
you start to show up for yourself in other ways that revolve around food. So it starts to change your patterns or your choices around which foods you're using to nourish yourself. Because whenever we're in that binge state, we're not grabbing broccoli. Like we're grabbing the things that light up our brain, the salty and the sweet and the, the fatty things. And, and that's, you know, in a bar, in a large part biology, but it's also like, that's what gives us the fix. You know, that's what like gives us that hit. And so that's all patterns around numbing and self-abuse essentially. And we're actually having ourselves in those moments of discomfort. We don't want to self-abuse. Like it's just such a different pathway, you know? Yeah. Mm. And so then beautifully put. So as the pause and the slowdown happens and then the willingness to feel the discomfort, right? So that pattern interrupt can look like really anything, but just actually staying present with yourself. And even if you have to stop and do some like jumping jacks or go, you know, like just literally do something different that kind of like fires off a new neural pathway in the brain. And instead of just reaching for the food, if it's an unconscious reach and you know it, right? Like for myself, I notice a lot you know, I'll see a pattern of overeating late at night, you know, where I've like already eaten a big dinner. I know my body doesn't actually need food. And then it's like 11 PM. And I just want to like have a little, snack, like have a cookie or have a, it's like, there's like, it's really this pattern. And I growing up, I saw my parents, especially my dad, like he'd get up at like midnight or 1am and like eat a bowl of cereal. Like if I'd come down for a glass of water, I'd see my dad eating a bowl of cereal, at like one in the morning, you know? And that was like a constant. It was like this pattern of it's self-soothing. It's self-soothing. Soothing. And right. if you can recognize that that's what it's, that's the purpose it's serving. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I need, I need to be soothed right now. Like I need comfort now. Like, Oh, okay. I can do that. You know, it's literally self-soothing. I don't care if it's opiates. I don't care if it's food or sex or whatever the pattern or substance is. It's like, that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve. Yep. And if you can reframe that, it's like, oh, okay. I can help myself right now. Like I got you. It's okay. Totally. Uh, yeah. Well said. I really, I noticed that. And so I see it as for myself as this, like, I'm like, wow, it's like a lineage thing, this like soothing thing. It's been normalized to kind of, you know, eat late at night. Or if you imagine family systems, like, you know, eating all the snacks and candy and popcorn while we're watching a movie late at night, or, you know, it's like, you just look at the family system and you see these patterns that were normalized. So I see myself witnessing, right. If that like impulse happens late at night, this is a practice that is important to integrate, you know, where it's like, oh, wow, just pause there's soothing that wants to happen here. Maybe it's like a warm bath or going upstairs and like smelling some essential oils or getting under little... a weighted blanket. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Getting into this, like a cozy sweater. But yeah. from a scientific perspective, you know, there's, there's controversy in the field. That's like, Oh, type two diabetes is, is genetic, you know, cardiovascular disease is genetic. It's like on an epigenetic level, like, yes, there's some of that. That's not your DNA. That's what's actually activating or deactivating your DNA. But what's being passed down are the patterns. It's being passed down are the behaviors and witnessing that's nurture. Like you saw your dad do that. And so now that's something that you're up against. And it's like, that's what's being passed down. It's not, it's not actually like written in your, in your code, in your DNA. 
Yeah. Well said. That's so important to name. Like this really speaks to creator consciousness. Like we're not victims, right? There's no, like, I really hold myself as able and I do it more often than not, where I catch myself in the want and I'm like, okay, like you're good. And I just redirect the energy. And sometimes I don't, you know, I watch myself doing it and then I don't beat myself up for it. And I'm like, okay, I see this, this is a choice. And I know that the environment that's the most conducive to change is compassion. The energetic environment most conducive to change is compassion. So if you're witnessing yourself in patterns of overeating or over drinking or over TV watching or over anything, the environment, you don't want to shame or judge or put pressure on yourself or blame anyone. Like our parents had their own set of conditioning and they had their own environments, you know, that they were dealing with. And now we're all doing our own version of unraveling where these unhealthy patterns got anchored in. And as soon as we take it on, believe it and choose it, then it becomes ours to unravel, not ours to keep, you know? So there's major empowerment in that and working with someone like Jillian, who has done this for herself, right? Like for me, I much prefer to work with facilitators, teachers, and guides who are teaching from experiential wisdom rather than learned out of a book wisdom. Now learned out of a book wisdom is totally complementary to experiential wisdom and that I love, but learned out of a book wisdom without the experiential really loses gas for me. And what I feel in you is through your own share and the integrity of the eating disorder, the journey of eating disorders you've been through is your consistent, integrous devotion to doing this for yourself. So when you speak it, I really can feel, I'm like, oh yeah, she's doing this herself, mm-hmm. right? So thank yeah. you for that. Thank you. And, and I would just say to your beautiful point about self-compassion, like when I work with clients and something comes up, like obviously I'd never expect perfection because no, but like if something comes up, like yes, the self-compassion, but you can also use those as like breadcrumbs. It's like, you can, you can step back and say, okay, like this is where I went, but like, what was I up against? Like, what was I in the middle of? What was I really needing? And that becomes like the insights for you to like have your back even, even more thoroughly the next time. Like it's such, it's like, it's golden, you know? Yeah. Uh, So feel that. Thank you. So you mentioned before we started the episode that you're like, yo Z, even just like last week, I just got, I was in a portal and a half, you know, I'm like, those, you've been portal hopping, you know? When I use the word portal, I just mean, you know, when life brings these big triggers in the form of a relationship, you know, some relationship stressor or job stressors, money stressors, I really relate to anything occurring in your life that's creating a stress or a trigger as something that you as the center point creator, you are the one that is magnetizing these very precisely divine designed circumstances into your life that are just notice like it's it's hard to argue this when you notice how precisely designed the trigger points are that are happening in your life to touch yoshi it right <laughs> like like for real like certainly really touch you know jillian and her tender bits wouldn't necessarily be such a tender bit 
point for somebody else, right? But she's attracting precisely divine and designed catalysts into her life. It's so funny. I, I've never said precisely divine, but that just keeps happening. I'm like, it's yes, they're divinely organized catalysts that are designed to stir up your material so that you can see where the potent healing energy wants to be pointed. And you are your own greatest healer. You are the one in there in this body, the vessel, the body that has been on a somatic level, the trauma is held in, in the, on the somatic level, right? The body keeps the score, like the book title, right? The body holds where our wounding memories are. It's on a somatic level. And so we experience these trauma points, these trigger points, and the body gets really activated. Your emotional body gets activated. And I just want to name again and again, the best healers on the planet are going to remind you that you are it. You are the one, the energy of source of spirit of God, goddess of the ultimate healing force of life lives inside of you. You are the director. You are the orchestrator. You're the one in that body that's getting activated. So where are you pointing the life, the force of life energy, the life force energy that is yours to direct? So when we bring these are powerful meditation practices where you actually point your awareness, your presence, your attention, which is source energy right where the pain is. It's like putting Neosporin on from the inside out. It's like healing bomb from the inside out. Wow, my heart is really activated. I'm scared. My heart's beating so fast. This trigger came in. My you know boyfriend is breaking up with me or my dad said something that just like, went cut straight to the bone. Wow. Where are you actually, if we get beyond the story, what's activated on a somatic level and where, where's the sensation occurring? And then where can, and how can you actually point the laser beam of your attention, your awareness with love? You can infuse love into your attention. You can infuse love into your awareness and wrap your awareness around the place that's really activated and just send love to yourself from the inside out. You're okay. You're safe. I love you. This is safe here. I know, I know who you are. I'm with you. I love you from the inside out. You feel that that's the ultimate source of healing. So I'm curious as you name this portal. So that's a portal when a big trigger or catalyst comes and you're just in the process of working that out, you can sometimes get consumed by it. And then you're in the unconscious experience of actually getting like slammed by the tidal wave of a trigger or a trauma response. That's when we call each other sometimes and say, uh, Z, I'm in it, right? Like, yo, I'm just, I'm in it. Like, that's when it's nice to have the counsel to reach out to and say like, I'm just fucking in it, ladies. I just want to name that I'm in it. And sometimes it's nice to have mirrors reflect and remind you who you're choosing to be reminding you who you are. So when I say Jillian's name, she's been in a portal. It's like, that's a portal. It's like something has been occurring in her world that is bringing up material that can sometimes feel fully overwhelming which is a word you used. And then you pop your head out and you're like, oh, all right, I'm up for air now. You know, So I'm curious, this portal, you can or you don't have to go into the details, whatever feels true for you. But just to kind of paint the picture of how has that been occurring for you? And most importantly, how have you been showing up for yourself through this process of 
portal after portal after portal. And how are you finding yourself becoming more and more resilient? Because here you are in a portal or just coming out of it and you're showing up for this podcast. You feel super grounded, present and here. Your voice feels super soothing. Like I just, I really feel you present here. So I'm curious how has the portal to portal hopping experience been for you? And how are you experiencing yourself as different from one to the next to the next? Okay. So if I forget an element of that question after going through yeah. this, remind me. There was a lot in there. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. okay. So where I was Saturday was really like, I think it was like the last day of like the zillion planets that were in retrograde. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, it was very intense. So man, how do I, so I guess when I was very young, you know, this experienced a lot of complex trauma in my family unit and for protective mechanisms that I was fortunate to have, it was completely suppressed in my memory until I sat with grandmother ayahuasca 30 years later. And so a lot of my eating disorder came from the, just a suppression of deep fear and deep discomfort in my body that I wasn't consciously aware of, um, perpetuating that state of, of numbness and all of the manifestations of that, that I was just like riding in, in my life. And so a couple of years ago, everything came out. And so I've been literally portal hopping for a solid two years, like nonstop to just clear and heal and access myself again and, and dissolve the bullshit lies that I believed for a long time were true and, and remember what, what is actually true. And it's been really magnificent and excruciating and beautiful and magical and everything. Yeah. So I believe that a very deep fear of mine when I was around four was, was the dissolution of my family. Like, because of what was happening, I, for some reason knew I needed to keep a secret and to keep my family unit intact. And so fast forward, I had some really, really challenging conversations with the people that were involved and spoke my truth and found my voice and all the while in the masters, the dojo masters, which was such a fucking cradle for me to be held and go through the scariest shit of my entire fucking life. So I'm like, just deeply deeply grateful for that and all of the women involved yeah such an honor you being our fearless leader oh thank you we do we certainly do it together and it was such an honor such an honor so that was over the summer and what has continued to transpire is that there's been a divide in my family a lot of gaslighting a lot of gaslighting and stories being perpetuated to other members of the family. So now there are two very significant members of my family that no longer want to talk to me, my father and my brother. And it's my birthday just passed. And and so, you know, birthdays can bring up a lot and not hearing from them was really painful and just solidifying this loss of someone who's still these two people that I love very much and there's so much pain around, but that believe something to be untrue of me and so much so that they are willing to turn their backs on me. And that was the language I was using. And my practice 
that was the energy that I felt. And, and I wasn't really aware of the repetition of this phrase, turning their back on me, turning their back on me. And, and so in this portal, I just woke up, like my body was in pain. I had like shooting pain down my right leg from my hip. I had pain in my, what feels like the back of my solar plexus. Like I had pain in my jaw on the left side. Like my body was aching. It was like intense. I was soaking in Epsom salt for like hours. It was like really intense. And I just was like kind of subconsciously trying to shake it, consciously knowing that I wasn't supposed to shake it or vice versa. Like I knew I needed to sit with it. And so I was sitting, I mean, my apartment was dark, the blinds were closed. Like, this is one thing I've learned. I know better than to sit in this space for a long time, but I, before I can give myself, I love you, it's okay. I have to really go to the depths and something about me isn't scared of that, but I don't let it drag. I don't wallow there. I don't, I don't get stuck there. And if I do, I'm like, my hand is out reaching for like life support, but I go there and I feel it. So I was in the depths of like, just the agony of on top of everything I experienced when I was little now being, you know, made to feel or not. I don't feel it because I know my truth and no one can fuck with that. But like being like people projecting untruths onto me so much so that the consequences are so real where people are believing things and no longer wanting to talk to me, especially people that are so immediate for me. It was like so intense and I was grieving and grieving and grieving. And, you know, I kind of, I think I move fast and I think it's not a good thing, but like, I thought that I was like, okay with it. I was getting to an okay space. And then I just got the rug pulled out from underneath me on on Saturday. It was just like all the energy and the physical pain in my body and, and the pain in my heart. And it was just like, I sat there and I sat there for the whole day and my mom ended up coming over and knocking on my door. Like, I mean, she's like, you looked rough, my love. Like, (laughs) and she, I let her hold me is what happened when before she wasn't safe, she really showed up and I let myself cry like so hard, so deeply with her witnessing me in that suffering, which felt like such a fucking dose of medicine that just feeling like somebody had my back in that moment (laughs) was profound. And she spent the day with me. We went to the park. We watched a movie at night. It felt really, really beautiful. And the next day, again, sitting in front of my altar with my, my ritual, I felt the call of my little girl. And it was really beautiful because what ended up happening, and I, I believe I was taught this from you, was like, I went in, I act, I connected with her. And then it was like me supporting her in the moment and sharing with her all the things that needed to be shared in that moment. And then what came through was my higher self to me now. And the download was people didn't have my back. Like my family didn't have my back when I was going through what I went through as a child. Like they didn't have my back. But what I internalized was that no one had my back. And what ended up transpiring from that was that I didn't have my back. Chills. I never had my back. And every time I dissociated and self-abandoned with food, with getting attention from men, with whatever the fuck, it was me not having my back and not being willing to actually sit there and hold my little self and be like, Miha, like, I got you. Like, what's up? How are you feeling? Because no one ever fucking did that for me. Oh, mama. I feel you. 
Yeah. So I was like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, okay, this is what I'm able to, to recognize. And I understood it intellectually while it was transpiring because whatever, I'm an owl. I saw it, you know, I could see that it's there. It's their pain that they're unwilling to touch. And so this is how it's looking because if they're willing to open up to the possibility of my experience being real, then what does that mean for them and their worlds and their lives and what they think of themselves or each other or whatever. And, and that's too much, you know, they're where they are consciously and I can love them from afar and hold them in that and, and pray that one day they, they can have the courage to look. But my human was hurting so bad from the loss and the rejection and the gas. And it was like, oh, but I can have my own back through this. I don't need to abuse myself right now in the wake of this. Actually, I can like be there for the little girl whose fears, her deepest fears are being actualized. Wow. Hmm. Wow. There, there is so much medicine in everything that you just shared. And I really know that that, transmission is going to reach exactly the ears that need to hear it at exactly the time they need to hear it. And if you're one of those people, I invite you to reach out to Jillian and let her know the way that her own journey and the way that she's moving through it and showing up for herself and, you know, um, harvesting such incredible wisdom has touched you. You know, this is again, what a beautiful full circle way to start to land this episode is this takes us right back to the links in the chain. You know, this takes us right back to the mother wound that you named, but forward where this experience that you're going through this like massive healing process that you're in, in relationship to the masculine in your life and where you didn't experience your back being had and where you stopped having your back. And now you're redeveloping your own masculine container of like, I will be my own protect her and I will show up for myself and I won't augment that with anything else. And I'll just stay right here with me is also opening up the door through your vulnerability, right? Through the front line of the healing of also your, your mother wound and the relationship with the feminine that is also trickling out into your, even I'm sure feeling of safety and sharing this with me and with us, this collective right now, and then bring you better bring a voice note onto the chat girl after this and share, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, right. Like now just, it's like this really, what I'm really feeling in your share is just how beautiful and full circle this whole process is in the way that your relationship with your mother is opening up through this and the links in the chain through your willingness to be in the vulnerability and the receiving I don't even know if you would experience it as willingness because life is just putting you on your knees. You know what I mean? So you're just like, well, it in- was willingness because she came over and I was like, don't talk to me. Like, I just had a face, like I'm not. And she was like, like, I, I bless her, but like, she didn't know how to be. So she was like changing my sheets and like trying to help me out. And like, she was like, there was a hard boundary of like, don't, I don't even want to fucking talk. And then like, there was like, there was a crack. It was like, there was just a crack, like I needed to be held. And it was like, okay, like this is scary. She was unsafe for so much of my childhood. She had so much of her own pain that was unprocessed and unhealed. And, and so that's, there's still remnants of, of that feeling to her, especially when I'm at my most vulnerable. It was like a decision of like, and even she wanted to like, give me a back rub. And initially I was like, no. And then like, okay, like I let, and it was so, so much medicine. Oh, so healing. 
thank you for naming that. You know, it's like, there is, we are, we have free will. We're Mm -hmm. active, you know? So it's like life put you on your knees to be in the like vulnerable edge that you were at. And then there was a choice point still. There still was a choice point of like, okay, do I have the perspective enough to see that there's an opportunity here for me to be held and repattern this relationship with my mom to like give her a chance? And I really do believe that the healing that we do at the leading edge of it reverberates back in the same way that it reverberates forward into our children and our future generations. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for you, Jillian, and the transmission across the board that you have shared on the podcast today. And, you know, I want to request that anyone listening sends up your prayers and your love in service of, of Jillian and the really deep lineage healing that's occurring in, in her world right now. And just through the gratitude that's present in your heart, if you received anything in this episode that touched you deeply, this is like, again, encouraging the links in the chain of human that we are. You know, like we all, whether we know each other personally or not, there's a non-local field where we can, you know, connect through prayer, connect through shared experience, just the energy of shared experience. If you relate to any of the experiences we've shared, the sister wounding, the relationship with food, the relationships with our paternal line, with our maternal line, like there's so much, wow, there's so much juice in this episode. I just really, I'm left with like, wow. There's so much in there. And so just tuning in, everyone listening to the gratitude for whatever has touched you here and let that receiving that you got to feel be reciprocal and send that love back, man. Like we, you know, to our sister here, who's at the leading edge of some really deep healing work that's happening and your willingness to share that here with us vulnerably really served me personally. And I'm imagining, and I think it's safe to say, all those listening, you know, that your, your willingness and transparency is really serving the collective. So thank you. And I just, I feel really grateful. I'm so honored to walk with you in all the ways that we have and all the ways that we will. And I'd love to invite you to share any ways that those listening can find you website, Instagram, if anyone wants to go deeper with you in any of these territories, how can they find you? I love you so much and I'm grateful that we connected and that I, I mean, the second that I felt you, I don't know if I told you this, but I introduced myself to you at the retreat that we were at and I felt you like pierce my soul with your, your eyes just like went right through me. And I'm like, who is this woman? I need to learn from her, need to walk with her. And so you've just been such an expander for my life and the ways in which I have met myself deeply has been in your container and with the permission to dance in the space that you've created for me and let go of what hasn't served and reconnect with what's true it's just like you've been such a beautiful mirror for me and I've seen myself through through that mirror in ways that no other mirrors have allowed so thank you deeply deeply. and just touch my heart in all the ways why don't you thank you Thank you. How can they find you? <laughs> Instagram. I'm not the most active on Instagram, but Jillian Acosta underscore RD. But then my website is the rootcausemethod.com. And there you can see I've got a couple of different offerings, one exclusively for functional medicine. But what I really, really love, I've created a container for women who struggle with emotional eating called The Garden. 
and I'm going to launch the next cohort in January. So this involves the use of ketamine-assisted psychotherapy with a physician that I collaborate with. So really tapping into subconscious programming around food, around body, self, and health. So that's incredible. There's a sisterhood created. It's magical. And then that arc is also available one-on-one. So if there's women that don't want to be in that group, then that one-on-one garden option is also available. And if, like Z said, if there's anything that resonated with you, like it would fill my heart so much to know that. And so whether or not we end up working together just to feel other sisters who were moved by anything, it just like, this is what I'm here for. And so it would mean so much to me to know that. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Jillian, such a powerful share, such a powerful transmission and all the, the website and the links that Jillian just shared, we'll place in the show notes so you can find them easily and find her easily. And with that, I just want to thank all of you for the depth of your listening. And I'm so excited to see you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.